Welcome to Error 204, the podcast where we discuss theology from a reformed perspective and genuinely nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Romy. Today, we are going to be talking about theological consistency and just basically in general how how we can be more consistent with the beliefs that we espouse and how sometimes people say one thing but actually mean another or aren't thinking through the conclusions that would come from their statements and the importance of making sure that we say things as accurately as possible. And then we are going to get into Star Wars Episode 8. And we will talk a little bit about that. The first section of that will be spoiler free if you're listening. And we will warn you when we're about to get into spoilers. So feel free to listen up until that warning if you have not seen the movie yet. But there's no way we're talking about this movie without spoilers. Absolutely no way. (laughs) So we will warn you, though. You'll you'll get a fair warning. Yeah. Ah, psych, spoil it all now. No. (laughs) No. Anyway, with that said, let's go ahead and hop into our week. So, Mark, how how has your week been so far? Or how was your week, I guess, is the better way to ask that. Yeah, uh, my week was good. Um pretty regular work was kind of busy everyone's trying to get all kinds of stuff worked out before they take their holiday vacation so um it's the holiday season it's crazy dude like the amount of days some of these people like there's people that are taking like just straight two weeks off i'm like that sounds really nice i want to do that yeah that's what everyone at mobap except us gets yeah yeah and so um we were told, like, last week was kind of busy. Basically, the beginning of this week will probably be a little busy, like, Monday and Tuesday. But after that, it's going to just kind of steadily decline. Friday is uh, an actual holiday for Magna. So everybody's, because uh, Christmas Eve is basically observed on the twenty Friday the 22nd. But that doesn't go for um, consultants or contractors. So we'll still be working. But all of Magna will not be, and so we were already told it's just going to be a giant ghost town because no one's going to be working. Nice. So be fun. it's going to be boring. We should have some projects <laughs> we can work on. Hopefully, it'll make time go by. But um, yeah, so work was that way. I had a work Christmas party yesterday, and that was kind of weird just because I don't. I'm still fairly new, so there's not a lot of people I knew. We got to. Lindsay and I got to meet a, some interesting people, though, at our table while we were eating and everything. So, it was it was fun. You meeting people. Um, Yuck. Yeah, beyond that, not much else happened. We we had another... Really? No response to that? No. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. Come on, you're more introverted than I am most of the time. I know. <sighs> Doesn't mean all I right. have to respond. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, we also got to go to uh, another doctor's appointment to uh, check on our baby and she's apparently not anywhere near as big as they thought she was. She kind of slowed down her growing, I guess, and uh, she's actually fairly small based on like the normal size for her where she's at developmentally. So um, Lindsay's kind of relieved by that. (laughs) Oh. 
but nice. Just wait, she'll hit another spurt before the end. Yeah, and we did. We got to hear heartbeat, which was really cool too. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was great. It was good stuff. How was your week? Cool. It was. It was a good week. Um, had standard work, and then we had a youth Christmas party Friday night. Thursday night went and saw the Last Jedi. And then actually one again and saw it on Saturday, and I'll get into the reasoning for that later on down the road here. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's like actually been a pretty busy week though, because so Wednesday night my wife and I were both serving on the the praise team, and so we had uh, had that, and that ran late on Wednesday night, and then Thursday night we went and saw Last Jedi, and then Friday night was the youth Christmas party, and then Saturday we went and saw the Last Jedi again, and then we did Christmas with my in-laws. Um, just because her parents were wanting to do a, a Christmas with just us before this can be a little bigger deal on Christmas Eve with her family. And so they were wanting to do a smaller one with us. And that was really cool. Like they, um, their gift to me was actually, so my father-in-law has played guitar since he was a teenager and is a really good guitar player. And he has a bunch of electric guitars because of that. And he's currently building one. And so he needed to, to move one out. And so they actually gave me one of those as a Christmas gift, which, I'm super excited about because I've been wanting an electric again for quite a while because I sold my, my last one, I think about junior year of college. So it's been two or three years since I've had one. So having an electric guitar to play around on again is, is really exciting for me. And so that was, that was great. And they played it up great too. Like we were opening up presents and they like, they got all Ashley's out and then um, my mother-in-law was like, Hey, where'd we put Luke's present? And was like digging through all the presents under the tree and pretending like she couldn't find it. And they had me just sitting there thinking, well, they lost my present. Guess I don't get nothing this year. <laughs> and like, I'm legit just thinking, okay, well, that's that's fine. This is probably what I get for caring too much about presents. <laughs> and, yeah. and then all of a sudden my father-in-law comes up from the basement with the guitar. And it's like, hey, Merry Christmas. And so, either that or they lost my present. And that was a really quick uh, recovery. <laughs> <laughs> It was already wrapped up with a bow and everything. That gotcha. was that was what they had planned. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. But awesome, it was dude. exciting. But anyways, that was that. And then church today was good. And now I'm recording a podcast with you, which I always look forward to and enjoy. All so right. good stuff. That brings us here. But yeah, so let's go ahead and get into this because we're going to need a lot of time for Star Wars. I feel like we so, probably will. Um, so theological consistency. So this is something that I think a lot of people don't even pause to think about, and. Some people may think we're making a mountain out of a molehill with this, and I don't. I don't think we are, because the way we phrase things, like words, have meaning. Yeah. Theology matters. The way we say things, mean things, and so, like, it's it's important. Like, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to, try to compliment your wife, and like saying, "Oh, you look good in that dress," and saying, "Oh, you don't look bad in that dress." Well, they sound like the same thing. But one of them is more accurate and gets across the point you're trying to convey, and one of them is going to have you sleeping on the couch. So, like, how we word things is important, and how we say things is important, and it's very important to know what we actually believe and what the conclusions are of, of what we're claiming to believe, especially when we get into theology. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So let's let's just get into some of the, the bigger ones that we tend to see. Um... I think I think the biggest one Mark and I are probably familiar with is is the way most people would espouse Arminianism. Yep. And so again, brothers and sisters in Christ, not condemning here. And I was actually talking with someone else about this the other night, and I was 
not saying, you know, typically the best way to approach this is not to try to prove your point or not to try to disprove theirs or even to try to bring correction right off the bat. Usually the best thing to do is try and figure out what the person you're speaking with is actually saying. And so if if they say something like, well, Christ has paid the price for all people. And so we, we talked about that with limited atonement. When people say that, most people are not saying Christ has effectively paid the price for all people and we're universalist. And so it's good to go, oh, so you're saying that Christ has paid so that whoever believes in him will be saved and enter into heaven. And if they say yes, then great. We don't really need to address that. I don't think we don't really need to dig into that. We're good. Now, if they go, no, I'm saying he's effectively paid for the sins of all people. Then we need to back up and have a conversation. Yeah. Definitely. But I think, I think as far as the logical consistency goes, it is it's important in the life of every believer. I think it becomes more important though, especially for those who have teaching roles, which includes parents though. Like parenting is a teaching role. You're Absolutely. called to disciple and raise your children, and so th- I think this will be beneficial for anyone and everyone, hopefully. But what what are, what are some examples you can think of of the top of your head here, Mark? Again, no show notes, so we're pros here. Yeah, we do we do good here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that overall it's, it's such a important thing to, um, make sure that where you stand theologically or really, um, assuming that you're theologically seeking to be biblically accurate, right? I think the issue comes in more with making sure that we actually live out our theology consistently, um, because we can have a decent theology and it may even be a consistent theology but sometimes it's not always consistent with the way we live Um, I think that plays a big factor in it Um, as far as theology being inconsistent with its conclusions uh, kind of in the same vein and I I know like I feel like it's going to sound like we're harping on um, Arminianism and that's not really our that's not our intention no, because there's tons of other systems or things Absolutely. that come across this way. Even, I mean, go ahead and finish your thought here, and then I'll get into some of the Calvinistic ones that sure. are bad. Um, I think that another one that comes up to me that I see as theo- theologically inconsistent with itself is when you get into that attitude of um, the, the free will, right? Past, past the atonement, past all that stuff, when you're looking at the fact that, well, you know, God has extended his gift to all, and we have to actually choose it. Like, it comes down to us, not God, in that sense. And a lot of people who espouse that theological standpoint don't actually believe that it comes down to us, and they don't, or they don't actually believe that the work of us accepting salvation is what saves us. Like, they still hold to a big God, but that's not consistent. Like when, when you're saying that it ultimately comes down to our choice, that choice is a, becomes a work and you're now saved by faith and works, not just faith. Uh, that's kind of where the, and I think that's, it becomes an inconsistent thing very quickly. And, um, I, like I said, I don't think most people actually believe that to be the case, but that's the, when you follow that thought process, that theological stance to the, uh, logical conclusion, the consistent conclusion you end up with works-based faith. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that and say that's definitely one of the errors with that system is that it, it, it does just that. It ends you with a 
a work-based phase at some point, like no matter how far you try to back away from that. If it's ultimately coming down to my free will, it's ultimately coming down to a works-based a work. I can't say that today. A works-based faith. A works-based faith. So, yeah, there you go. But anyway, it's a uh, it that's that's a huge one. I would say. Um, flipping over to the the Calvinistic side of it is like when you say things like, "Oh well, God is sovereign, so it's all going to work out." That's true. That's a true statement. But if if we just end with that and don't don't say anything about the responsibility of men, which is what people fault Calvinists with. Yeah. We, be, if we, we just become end the with, frozen chosen. Yeah, if we just end with, oh, well, God is sovereign. And so if we say things like, oh, God's sovereign, he'll save who he's going to save. Again, a true and accurate statement, but it needs more context than that. God will save who he's going to save, but we are his instruments in that. And so I, I think the illogical conclusion that Calvinists will come to is that is exactly that, the frozen chosen of, oh, well, you know, God's saved, and so he's going to save who he's going to, or God's in control, he's going to save who he's going to save, and so we don't have to do anything. Or it's not my responsibility to do anything. No, it clearly is because of Scripture. And so I think that's an illogical consistency within that system. Other ones, too, I think, are when we take logic too far. And so we'll, we'll take certain systems and we'll say, well, if God's doing this, then logically he must also be doing this, whereas we find A in Scripture, but we don't find B. Um, and so, like, people take things from God being the causation of evil to God being the responsibility of evil. Yeah. And so there's a difference. There's a huge difference in those two things. But I've heard people say God is sovereign, so he is responsible for all that occurs, and he's responsible for evil. No, that's that's inaccurate, and that's wrong. And we need to be very cautious, especially when we're dealing with God being the ultimate causation of all things and God's decree and God being the causation of evil, that we don't pin that responsibility on God because that responsibility falls 100% on man. And so it, it occurs in all camps. So please don't hear us like bashing those that we don't agree with. Yeah, absolutely. Mark and I have done this. Like the biggest one I can think of for me was when I was big into New Covenant theology. Talk about a logically incompatible system. Um, and dude, I harped you, on you so hard through all of that. <laughs> you, you did. I mean, for a little bit, you were on board with a me. A little bit, yeah. And then, then you saw the light. Um, <laughs> but like, if you're unfamiliar with what the, what the term is, first off, don't feel bad because nobody really knows what the term means. Yeah, there's um, no there's no solid standardized. This is what New Covenant theology is. There's so many different branches of it. It doesn't make any sense. Which attests to but, even stronger the theological the illogical um, conclusions of New Covenant theology that people that say they hold to it don't even agree with each other on what it is. So, Yeah, but secondly, like, it's a system that says that essentially the entirety of the law has been fulfilled by Christ, which is true, but then goes on to say, so we're no longer under the law or responsible to the law in any way. Whereas, biblically, it would be we're no longer under the law or responsible to the law for salvation but we are still morally bound to honor God and glorify God. And the way he's revealed that to us is through his law. And so it, it was really hard for me. Like I remember trying so hard to, to reconcile and being like, well, no, we still get to look to the law and determine moral standards from it, but we don't, we're not actually under the law and we don't have to obey the law. And it was just all sorts of convoluted. And I don't know how the crap I ever thought it was a good idea. 
Yeah. Because, again, the, the, theolo- the logically consistent conclusion that comes out of that is antinomian. Antinomian. You end up yep. with, we're not under the law, we've been saved, God, Christ has already paid for it and fulfilled it, so we can do whatever we want because it's not going to change anything. Exactly. And so that's where I think, I think the solution to this is not sitting down and trying to think through everything logically. The solution to this is reading Scripture in its entirety and yeah. seeing how Scripture fits together cohesively because we see the will of man and the will of God working together in Scripture. God's will trumps man. Man still has a will that's bound to sin and until God frees it is incapable of doing anything just. Um, we see Christ paying a death sufficient for the world but effectual for the saved. We see the law was there as a school teacher to point us to Christ and is now there as something we get to joyfully do out of joy for Christ or joy because of what Christ has done and, and out of a desire to bring glory to God. And so we see all these things remedied when we see scripture in its entirety and that's why I think it's it's very important that we make sure we're we're not pulling verses out of of books or even books out of the Bible and using those like if, if you just go grab James and don't take it in the context of the rest of scripture you can end up with some really wrong ideas. Yeah. Um you go grab the Song of Songs and pull it out of the context of the rest of scripture and you can come up with some wrong ideas. <laughs> yeah. Not not that those books have anything wrong with them, but if we're not seeing the entire council of scripture working together then we end up with very inconsistent systems. And I, I think I think that's a flaw that arises. Like, I've heard people say, oh, I love Paul's writings, but I don't care for Peter's, or I love the Gospels, but I don't care for the Epistles, or I love the New Testament, I don't read the Old Testament, whatever it may be. Like, if we're just becoming students of one section of Scripture, then we're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because we don't get the whole council brought together. And, and that's dangerous. Um, and so, like, Again, as far as practical examples, I don't want to step on any toes, and so I'm, I'm steering away from some intentionally just because they are ones that are more open to debate and I think are logically and theologically inconsistent, but there are a lot of smarter guys than I who debate them, yep. and so I don't want to be yeah. arrogant or um, offensive or abrasive in, in how we handle that. But the challenge here is is to say when these things, these doctrines or these theological ideals that you're claiming to hold to do they fit in with the entire council of scripture? So, because if you're having to do gymnastics to get your theological system to line up with scripture, then that's a sign that you're not being theologically consistent. Yeah. And I'll even say this. If you're having to go back and use original languages and tenses of verbs to prove your theological system, I think that's a red flag. Like, we get a clearer picture in the original languages, but we have many faithful men who have spent time interpreting into our language, and they get the the core of the message across. So I, I think if we're saying, oh, well, no, you have to go read this in the original Greek to actually understand this doctrine, I think we have an issue. To understand a nuance of it, sure. To see it a little richer, sure. But to, to grasp it, I think we're, we're pulling some straws there that aren't there. Hmm. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Because you sound like you may disagree. I'm just I'm thinking through it. I, I think I agree with you. Um, I definitely think that you know looking at because a, tra- a translation is exactly that. It's a translation, and so it's it, 
definitely not perfect and there's things that some languages portray a lot better than others so i i but that said i do think i agree with you that we can grasp and have an understanding at least basically of any doctrine that scripture espouses i think that there will always be benefit to look at original languages to have a better understanding of it but yeah not a new understanding altogether so I, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you yeah I agree with that. And the other thing to keep in mind here, too, is, like, Jesus spoke Aramaic, and we have it in Greek. And so even there, there's some translation going down. And so, like, we we have to be, we have to trust that God is faithful to preserve his word at the end yeah. of the day. Yep. Like, the, the fact that we don't have original manuscripts, the fact that we don't have the ability, like, very few people are actually fluent in, um ancient Greek or Hebrew. And so the fact that we're not means that we have to have confidence in God and his sovereignty, which I think is good because that keeps us from putting confidence in a piece of paper. But it, it allows us to have confidence that scripture is the entire counsel of God because God will be faithful to preserve his word for his church. So I, I think that's important to keep in mind too. Again, some translations are much better than others and much more accurate than others. Oh, Yes. And maybe that's something we should get into at some point. But Yeah. But yeah. So there's just a little bit, like, we were intentionally keeping this a little shorter today because Star Wars is probably going to take a while. And again, not that we want to short the theology aspect of things, but this is a topic Mark and I wanted to talk about, and we knew it wasn't going to take us a super long time Yeah. To, to just briefly touch on it. And it's a little harder in a podcast format. It's a little easier if you have people to interact with. Yeah. I will say, and, I, I want to throw out there, too. Um, I was going to say, throw something out if you one, one of the uh, one of the first theologians to really get me to um, consider or think through things and and be intentional about being theologically and logically consistent uh, ironically is not someone I agreed with everything on but uh, the late R.C. Sproul, Sproul absolutely that's who I thought you were going to go with because yeah same with me he, like, I disagreed with some of his I disagree with some of his conclusions but he hit hard on the importance of being consistent in your theology and the importance of looking at how that plays out in your life. Um, Definitely. And a lot of people yeah. mistook that for arrogance because he would be confident in what he said. Yeah. And I don't I don't think the man was arrogant. And I don't no. think he was attempting to use logic and philosophy to trump scripture, which he's been accused of before. He was intentional in saying, hey, how can we interpret God's word as faithfully as possible and make sure, because logic and philosophy are gifts that God has given us, and make sure they fit within that. Um, again, yeah. not that we conform scripture to philosophy and, and logic, but it is a logical book, and all philosophy like, naturally should be derived from scripture. That should be all, our ultimate source for it. Yeah. And so how do these things work cohesively? And his, his hammering on that has definitely been beneficial in my life as well. Yeah, so. so I just wanted to bring that up and, and point that out. If you if you haven't spent much time reading or listening to anything from Doctor Sproul, then um, he is definitely worth a listen for sure. Yeah, and and a read. I I prefer reading his stuff more than listening to him, just because I I enjoy reading. But he's also a guy like there's a lot of guys that I'm like I can either listen to them or I can read them, but I can't do both. Sproul is one I can do both of. Yeah, like I enjoy listening to him too. But, um, but yeah, he, if you didn't know that, he, he passed away on, was it Thursday or Friday? Uh, I think it was the 14th, so I think that so was Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. 
So Thursday, he passed away on Thursday. And man, you want to see a guy who was confident yeah. in where he was going. He talked about. It. He's like, you can mourn for me if I'm in pain as I approach my death, and and you can grieve for me in that. But don't grieve for me when I pass because I'm going to be skipping down streets of gold completely united with my savior in glory with him. And so he had a hope and he knew where he was going. And it's just so encouraging to see that. Yeah. And, very much and so. to see that confidence that he had in his savior. So, um, great, great hero of the faith, great theologian. And, and this is not Mark and I trying to speak well of, of the dead. No, he left the legacy ge- behind. Genuinely for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He and was, it's, yeah. It's cool to see that because, like, I mean, we, this is a little bit off topic, but I just want to hit it really quick. Like, we talked about this last week with – I talked about this with the guys in Sunday school about leaving a legacy and um, talking about how, like, the saddest thing is when people get up at a funeral and they start talking well about this man that you know is just a jerk. And they just make up lies about him because there's nothing nice to genuinely say about him. And it's encouraging to see it with Sproul – just the impact he's had on so many lives. And it's not people lying and making stuff up. It's because this is a man who was sold out for Christ, who was living for the glory of God. And because of that, he has left a legacy, not of what a great man he is, but of how great and glorious God is. And I, I hope and pray that's that's what we leave behind us when we go. Amen to that. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, if you haven't checked him out, look, look up R.C. Sproul. So, with that, we will awkwardly transition to <laughs> to Star Wars. Man, it's, it, that's a heavy thing to come off of into Star Wars. It is. But Star Wars. Here we go. Star Wars. <laughs> I know I'm saying it weird. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Just say it fast. Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Star Wars. Live long and prosper. Oh, oh. Oh man. I mean, I love that part when Anakin takes the One Ring into Hogwarts. So. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that will. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Anyway, oh, I want to spoil Harry Potter in case you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, I caught myself. We said we're not spoiler-free for now. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and just give, like, general thoughts of the movie. Mark, I'll let you go first as far as your, your general thoughts of the movie. Again, no spoilers yet. Yeah, no spoilers. Um, it, I liked it. Overall, I thought it was a good movie. Um, there's, there's things that could have been done better. There's things I think I would have liked better. But uh, as a whole... <laughs> It it was, it was good. It was a a big change of pace for a Star Wars movie. Um, I guess that might be one of my. It's one of the most intriguing things, but probably one of the things I kind of dislike about it too, is that it was a Star Wars movie that didn't feel like it was a Star Wars movie. Um, see, that's one of my biggest beefs with it. It felt yeah. like a very Disneyfied movie. Yeah, and I, I can see that. And so there's. Um, I mean, as as a diehard Star Wars fan all around, I I would definitely recommend it. I think it's worth watching. I think it's worth seeing. Um, it was entertaining. It was, um, yeah. I'm curious to see where they they go with Episode Nine and all that good stuff. But um, it was definitely a different type of Star Wars movie. It was very very different. Yeah. Okay. So. I went and saw the movie, and I was so hyped at the start, and I was really loving it until about 20 minutes in. And then I started having some issues with it. And I ended the movie, like, really mixed on how I felt about it. Like, I'm like, I can't tell if I love this or I hate this, but I know it's one of those two. 
And I, I was just, it was, it was weird because I've never experienced that before with a movie. Like, usually I either like a movie or I don't like a movie. And this one I couldn't decide. And so the more I thought about it, the less I liked it. But I decided to give it another shot. So I actually went back and saw it a second time, which I'd mentioned earlier. And that was part of the reason for that was because I'm like, I'll give this a second shot and see if, if it redeems itself or anything. And about, again, about 20 minutes into the second time watching it, I looked over at my wife and I said, yeah, I hate this movie. So I did not like it. I would not recommend it to a Star Wars fan. Actually, I can't say that. I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to have to go see it anyway because it's Star Wars and you have that obligation. <laughs> but I, I will say, if, if you know nothing about Star Wars, if you know nothing about the Expanded Universe, you're going to love this movie. As a, as a movie taken out of the Star Wars universe fantastic but well fantastic is probably a bit too strong good movie you'll enjoy it <laughs> but as a Star Wars movie it just breaks my heart and I can't really get into why without spoilers other than I will say this so you, you guys already know Mark and I are both big Star Wars nerds from the first episode yep. my nerdiness with Star Wars is almost exclusively confined to this era like the, the post-Republic era of Star Wars in the Expanded Universe was the I read the most books in that I love that era it's one of my favorite things that happened in the Star Wars universe and so that does have some bearing on my feelings towards it so if you don't care about that I think you're going to like the movie overall you, you there are some issues and we'll get into those in the spoilers but I, th- I think you'll like it overall so there's our brief reviews really short podcast for those of you who haven't seen the movie we're only at like 29 minutes right now but there you go if you are here listening and you have not seen the movie yet and you care about spoilers I would recommend you turn it off now so I'm going to blabber on for a a few more seconds to give you time to shut off your podcasting app and you should have been able to do that by now so if you hear anything I'm sorry but it's your own fault at this point we are now in spoiler zone it is spoiler territory highway to the spoiler spoiler zone Oh boy, man! We're, I think we're making singing way too much of this podcast, but I love it. Probably I have fun a little with bit. It. It's okay. I'm having fun with it, so we're gonna expect that. Expect more of that down the road, folks. Oh boy, um, that's terrifying <laughs> to think about. Hey, I have a CD. It's just crappy. <laughs> it's but not on Spotify actually, anymore. Did you know that? Is it's off? No, I didn't know it got taken off. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't available last time. I oh, was looking through my music. Probably a good thing for people. Like it's there, um, but it's grayed out. It's not interesting. Unavailable to actually I play. I bet the publishing company, because I haven't, like, the record company I did it with since I haven't done anything with them in, like, five years, they probably just finally took it off, because I think they have to pay for that. Gotcha. So, there are, like, three songs on Amazon for whatever reason, like Amazon Music, but... Interesting. Anyway. There you go. Now we definitely bought enough time to make it spoiler-free. Yeah, there you go. So, um, (laughs) so here we go. Spoiler-wise, my my biggest issues with it, the handling of Luke Skywalker, let's start there. We'll we'll take these one time and have time to interact on them. So, the, the... the way they handled Luke Skywalker ticked me off to no end. They made him this weak, whiny, curmudgeonly um, wimp, basically. Like, the the one time it got epic, when he shows up to fight Kylo, and I'm like, yes, finally Luke grew a pair, and he's going to fight. It was all just a force rejection, and he's going to die anyway. So why not show up, be a man, fight your own battle, and then go out like Obi-Wan, like a legend? Instead... He does this whole force projection crap and then just slumps over dead on some island with no one around. He didn't slump over dead. Basically. He became one with the force like Yoda. He did the exact okay. same thing. But he should have done that 
when he was fighting Kylo. That would have been way cooler. That would have been a much more fitting right, death for Luke Skywalker. But you see what happened where as soon as he walked out, Kylo didn't go, oh, I'm going to go fight him. Kylo said, all right, everybody shoot him. So pull some Yoda bouncy crap. <laughs> or force project that part and then come walking out from the the doors. You can do that from the place. Oh, my. Okay. Even better, use your special laser sword to bounce <laughs> all of them bolts back into the AT-ATs. Yeah. Just blow all those suckers up. I don't think it works like that. Nope. But anyway. I, I will, okay, so, I will so say that, I, think that, still. I think that Luke's... Luke's outlook has changed drastically from the original trilogy with a little explanation as to why. Yes, it has. Yeah. Like in the original trilogy, he was he showed up, he fought, he led. He was he was, cr- he was courageous, he was ide- idealistic and that's totally gone away. And if there was a good like because obviously it's been a long time. Um, yeah. But the only explanation is because he screwed up. Yeah, like, and he it, screwed up one thing. Yeah. The old Luke would have been like, man, I screwed this up. I gotta go find Kylo and make this right. Yeah. That's but this Luke was like, oh, I screwed this up. I'm gonna go hide on an island. Yeah. So, the effeminate Luke Skywalker really ticked me off. I will say, Mark Hamill did a pretty great job. Oh, yeah. He, he um, hand, like, his... Okay. Regardless of the writing, the direction of the characters, all that, the uh, performance by pretty much every actor and actress in the movie was phenomenal they were all really good yeah I did feel like there were some lines for Luke where I felt for him like I felt for Christopher whatever his name is in episode 3 where people gave crap to him for bad delivery when it's like no half of those were just bad lines like there were some lines for Luke yeah that was it there were some lines for uh, Luke that I'm like oh that was pretty bad but still overall he did a great job but I would have much rather seen Mark Hamill come in as this grizzled maybe even jaded but powerful Luke Skywalker yeah so because we got a glimpse we got glimpses of his strength and, and what he's capable of yep and I mean this is the guy who took down Darth Vader come on people and you're just gonna make him a little woman who hide uh, sorry that's probably offensive to women you're gonna make him a little baby you can't offend babies a little baby <laughs> you can't who, offend babies who hides on they're not, they're not old enough to be brainwashed into politically correctness yet. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, you're going to be a little baby and go hide on this island? Like, the galaxy needs you to step up. Talk about not being a man. Yeah. Like, even when Ray comes and explains and, like, makes this heartfelt plea of, we need you. He's like, eh, who cares? I'm going to sit here and, and mope. Yeah. So, and milk this freak alien for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Uh, so I will say I think that, and this is this is becoming my an overarching issue that I have with Disney and the stuff they're doing with all of their franchises. Misplaced humor throughout everything. They're, oh yeah, it's Horribly not necessary. Misplaced. It's not needed. We don't need everything to be funny. We don't need laughs all the time. It's completely that was, unnecessary. That was my biggest issue with this one. Like. They threw a little bit into Episode 7, and I was okay with that. They threw a little bit more into Rogue One, and I was less okay with it. And then they just, like, made this one a Guardians of the Galaxy, basically. Yeah. Like, there was so much misplaced humor in this one. And honestly, I think that's what did it. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy went over so well, Disney decided, oh, we're going to do this in every movie. And it's like, no, too much of a good thing is no longer a good thing, Disney. Plus, you got to fit your humor with your genre. Yeah. Like, the original trilogy and even the prequels had some humor in them. 
but it was witty humor. Yeah. And it was other than and it was passing Jar Jar passing humor, like yeah, uh, yeah, other than idiotic Jar Jar. But and everybody hated that. Like Disney should have taken a cue from freaking Jar Jar. People hated the forced humor. Yeah. No, I so. yeah I, I agree with that. That was one of my biggest issues with it. Um, back to Luke real quick before we move on though. Okay. I you want to know my my real thinking as to why they did that to Luke? Why? Because they could not afford to bring him in as a strong male lead. They need Ray to stay as their strong female yeah. hero, and so they could not afford to bring in Luke because he would have overshadowed Ray. Yep. Like Daisy Ridley's fantastic. Ray's a great character, but Mark Hamill is a grizzled Luke Skywalker would have overshadowed her. And I honestly think they just didn't want to do that. Yeah, which so yeah, that bothers me. Um, um, it doesn't bother me so much as I'm like, you could have at least given him a better way out. Sure, like let him overshadow for this movie and then let him die in this sure. movie and he won't in the next one. Yeah, so. Um, but no, I agree. Um, so yeah, so there's that the bridge issue, <laughs> the bridge issue. Yeah, the, so on I didn't the even Mon Cal Cruiser that, so you brought it up honestly. Early on, Kylo and his fighters are blowing crap up, which somehow they're able to just shoot through all these shielded things like it's no big deal that the heavy Star Destroyers can't get through. Um, like, if a laser projectile can't pass through, I'm pretty sure a physical object can't either. But maybe I'm wrong there. Um, but anyway, they're blowing all this crap up, and all of a sudden, they blow up the bridge, Leia goes out in space, which is a whole other issue we'll get to in a minute, but the bridge is blown up. The bridge is gone. And they're talking about how when the bridge got blown up, Admiral Akbar and all the others died. Leia is the only one who survived. And like five minutes later, they're on the freaking bridge again. <laughs> like, it just got blown up. And they spend most of the rest of the movie on this bridge that got blown up ten minutes into the movie. Yeah. And like, I, I, I tried giving them the benefit of the doubt. I went and I looked up the construction of a Mon Cal cruiser, and they do not have two bridges. <laughs> they only have one. Yeah. Like, I, I tried really hard to be like, okay, maybe maybe Montals have two bridges, and I forgot about that. Even if you look at the schematic of the ship from space in the movie, there is one bridge. There's nowhere else they could possibly be but on this bridge that got blown to crap. So, I mean, if they can repair the bridge that fast, why can't they magically make more, more fuel? Whole thing solved. Yeah. So, that that was a big issue with it. That, and then when Finn's backpack was outside the escape pod... And magically made it inside the escape pod. So, if you notice when he's talking yeah, to Rose, he sets it outside, and then next thing you know, it's inside well, the escape pod. And to be honest, I mean, continuity issues, that happens in everything. That I don't... Okay. The, the bridge the, thing is a bigger deal. I was going to say, the escape pod but, one, that's not big. But, like, but the bridge one? Ky- Kylo Ren, whenever he and Ray, when there's the big duke out, he loses his lightsaber, and then Ray throws him the other one, and... Whenever he's walking towards her, his is strapped to his side again. So, like, it doesn't really make sense, but it's it's a continuity issue. Continuity issue, and you kind of move past it because they exist everywhere. Again, yeah, with yeah. with the with, with the backpack the thing, escape pod. I'm sure. I'm going to do that with the bridge. That's kind of a really major con- like that's just sloppy filmmaking. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. Like. Somebody wrote a script and revised a script and had a script sent out to editors and got it back with them all being on this bridge that got blown up. Like, how the flip did that many people miss that? Yeah. Like, that's just, that's sloppy. Um, but I guess we should expect that from Disney because they have the Monopoly now. So <laughs> They really do. It's but terrible. Anyway, um, so, so that happened. And then Snoke. I was so yep, disappointed they wasted, with Snoke. They wasted a character. Like... 
Snoke was there was so much mystery and there was so much that they could have done with him and like a lot of people's theories were about who is Snoke and how do they reward us? Oh hey, we're gonna have him show how powerful and strong he is and then in an instant Kylo's just gonna kill him. Yeah, and that's the other like, with with how powerful they've played off this mysterious bad villain, terrible, crazy villain, to be fooled by that little thing, like that was just dumb. Yeah. Like it's like even as he's saying it, like, and he will strike his true enemy. It's like, how do you not? How are you not picking up on this, dude? Have you ever watched a movie before, Snoke? <laughs> do they have movies in Star Wars? Because you should know what's coming here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they wasted but, Snoke, and it bothers me that they didn't. There are no questions answered. Now, I read a review today that they were praising Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson for this. I disagree with them, but essentially, they were talking about how you know. J.J. Abrams with The Force Awakens made a movie that people loved, that catered to its fan base, that established all these characters, that brought in all these questions. Like, it was a a strong Star Wars movie in that sense of, like, it's what brought all these theories and this attitude of, like, it's what made people fall in love with the franchise and fall in love with Star Wars. There's people Mm -hmm. who did not like Star Wars who started liking Star Wars because of what J.J. Abrams did with Episode Seven. And he did fantastic on it. Like, when people were hating on Episode 7, yeah. I loved it. Oh, it was great. And Ryan Johnson has come in and said, nope, screw J.J. Abrams and everything he made. I don't care. And so exactly. this character that was built up, he just says, nope, don't care. Kill him. Um, this yeah. this and Luke who has retreated to this island for some reason, and no one knows why, and he's he's gone into hiding. And it's, nope, screw that. Luke's just a crazy old hermit who doesn't like anything anymore. Um, Do you know how awesome it would have been to have a battle between Snoke and Luke? Exactly. Like, That's what I wanted. In in the original trilogy, we have Luke losing every fight that he fights against Vader, against... I guess he wins against Vader eventually and could strike him down, but even then, the Emperor eventually bests him. Like, Luke doesn't come out on top. Nope. Yeah. Until Vader inter- intervenes. To have him fight a Sith Lord as a Jedi Master, yep. they had so much potential so right awesome. there. But nope, they just like we could have had like one of the few good things from the prequels, the the Mustafar scene with Obi Wan and Anakin. Yeah, as as uh, acrobatic and ridiculous as some of the movies were, that was still a really cool fight scene. Yep, and we could have had that, which does lead me into one of the positives of the movie: the scene after Kylo kills Snoke when he and Rey fight against all the guards. Yeah, that was pretty. Awesome. Was pretty epic. Like I didn't really care for the fact that they made all these guards like ninjas. Well, here's, somehow. here's what I was wondering. Lindsay and I were talking about this, but I'm wondering if those were supposed to be what are, like the Knights of Ren. Like it talks about because it's brought up in Force Awakens and Last Jedi, where like Snoke refers to Kylo as the Master of the Knights of Ren, and whenever right. Rey has her vision of in Force Awakens of the temple being destroyed, it's Kylo Ren with a bunch of other people, and Luke talks about how Kylo took a bunch of. Uh, apprentices with him, and so I'm wondering if that's point, who they were supposed to be. But if it is, though, that's disappointing because where were their force powers? Yep. And why weren't they using lightsabers? Yeah. Um, another great question that was brought up is why did we give Ray a lightsaber? Why not give Ray like because like the old Republic, the Jedi didn't use exclusively laser swords. They had many different weapons like that that they would use. Why don't we bring one of those back for Ray since she's already good with a staff yeah. and give her like some sort of laser pike or, or lightsaber pike or something like that. Yeah. I mean, if we can give Kylo Ren a freaking cross guard, why can't we give <laughs> Ray something cool? Um, yeah. But I, that's not a big issue. That's just kind of a curiosity thing. Yeah. 
because I, I think that would have been an interesting and something they would have had the liberty to play with. Yeah, it would have been. But it would have been. Um, but yeah, um, so there's the whole handling of Snoke. I'm, I, in I, addition to that, I'm going to. I feel like they wasted Snoke. I feel mm-hmm. like they wasted Captain Phasma again. I feel yep. like she's been wasted twice. Like <laughs> somehow, and if she survives this one somehow, oh yeah, no, that's like, dumb. She just needs to be the one who becomes a Sith Lord and rules over the whole galaxy, <laughs> and everyone's screwed. Yeah. So. But that that bothered me too. It was like, oh, she comes back and like, oh, there's gonna be this epic fight and her and, and it was a neat little fight scene, but it ended so dumb and it was just over and it's like, oh, and she's dead. Well, and the fact that she's like such a, a good fighter, and all it takes is an elevator raising up, and then Finn going, "Hey, whap!" Yeah. Like, it, it should have been something more epic than that. I feel like. Yeah, it should have been. It, again, wasted characters. I th- and yeah. I on it. I don't know. Like, I haven't looked at. I've looked at some reviews and read some different things, obviously, but I, I would like to see. A, an interview or read some stuff from Ryan Johnson himself, but it feels like Ryan. As to why he's a total idiot. It feels like he's just disrespecting what was given to him. Like he was, it, he was it really handed. Does. He was handed a great setup from J.J. Abrams, and JJ. then it was just gone. Yeah. Um, like I wish, I wish J.J. would have had full control over this one. Yeah. Because I think it would have been infinitely better. Um, oh. I will say. So, I really liked that. I really liked when we found out who, who Ray's parents were, which was nobody. See, I was disappointed with that at first. I like, and that. then I came to terms yeah, with that, and I was I like, that. "I'm like, actually, that's pretty good. cool." I, I like that, and I love the way that Kylo brings it up. He's like, "You know who your parents are? They were nobody. They traded you for nothing. You're nothing. Like you come from nothing. And you have no place in this story." Yeah, yeah, I thought that was good. I like that. Um, um, I also I loved the way leading up to that, like when they made you think you were going to see him when she went down to the dark place. Yeah, I know. And then all of a sudden, it's just her in the reflection. Like, and dude, that that triggered me so hard though, because I swore that was going to be Ewan McGregor coming up to the glass <laughs> there. Like, I was like, "Holy crap, she's a Kenobi!" Yeah, because you had the hair and the bill. I was like, "It's see, Ewan McGregor." I thought it looked like the silhouette looked to me like a young Luke Sky, like Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi, and that I was like, "No, please don't do it. Please don't do it." So, see, that's where I'd say there was a stroke of brilliance on their part because I think you could have construed that shadow to be, be whoever anyone, you wanted exactly. it to be. Exactly, it really. Um, so, but I did. Yeah, I like that. Um, that she would. I didn't like that Ray is, like, okay, Daisy Ridley's performance was great. My issue isn't even with what her character was in this movie, but it's, again, she's so drastically different from what she was in The Force Awakens. She's like a different character with no explanation. And it made no sense to me. Like, she wasn't this angsty, angry... Like, in the first half of the movie, she was. She was angry. She was frustrated. She got mad at Luke. She was short with him. And then all of a sudden, she's, like, this wise person who's going to overcome. Like, whenever Luke first gets – she gets in tune with the Force and everything, and, like, Luke is shocked. as She's, like – she is exploring all this stuff, and he's, like, you immediately went to the dark. Like, you didn't even hesitate. That's the first place you went was the dark. Like, it – And all of a sudden, she's this great beacon of exactly. light. Exactly. And she resists all temptation, and nothing like nothing phases her. Like Luke had a stronger conflict in Return of the Jedi with the dark side. Yeah, and it just, I was uh, I was thinking about you when that was happening. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be teasing Mark. I wanted I th- for Ray to be going bad. I really wanted so. that flip. 
I wanted that flip so bad for her to go bad and Kylo to go good. Now, that said, I'm disappointed with the way they handled Rey somewhat. Um, Kylo Ren is easily the strongest thing of this movie, by far. Yeah, I agree with that. Ben Solo has become, first off, just Adam Driver's phenomenal, but... Oh, yeah. His kid, like, I'm, as I've processed it more... I'm almost to the point of agreeance where Kylo Ren is the best Star Wars villain we've had yet. Definitely. Because, because he he is some, he's his own villain. He is he is the villain. Like Darth Vader was an ominous, terrifying bad guy. But ultimately Well, you're going to take a lot of people off the, putting Kylo above Vader. Well, here's here's my here's the big difference. Darth Vader ultimately was uh the emperor's puppet. Kylo Ren made it, and and this is where I'm okay with Snoke dying in the sense that Kylo is the bad guy. Like, yeah, he's he's not anyone's puppet. He is in charge. He is evil. He like I like the the progression of his character has made him into an amazing villain, and I'm pumped for for Episode Nine to see where they go with that. Um, yeah, I, he is by That's- far the best part. I think. That's probably the only reason I'll watch episode... I would watch it anyway, let's yeah. be honest. But that's probably the only thing I can get excited about for episode sure. 9 is seeing where they take Kylo. Yeah. Um, also, with Snoke dying, this is where we get to throw a quick jab. Jesse, I agree, that was Malgus, and he died like a little girl. <laughs> uh, I, I'm also going to go ahead and throw out to you that there's absolutely no way it was Darth Plagueis. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, I agree with because, that. Because, first off, he doesn't even slightly look like a mun. So. No. No, once you see him, like... yeah. Live, not just the hollow projection. Yeah, yeah that's all written off. Um, I also am curious, where was Snoke's lightsaber as a Sith Lord? Yeah, I don't know. To be fair, so Sidious never pulled out one either in the original trilogy. So, But he did at least have one, as far as we know. Well. Because that's remedied in, in the prequels. We know he owned one. But it he goes just didn't really use that, it that often. That one that he owned goes flying out the window with Mace Windu. That is true. So. That's true. So. Um, I really also Dumbledore dies. I can say it now. <laughs> um, I really liked Hux. General Hux, I think, was his character developed interestingly. But I think he's a, he's a very fitting supporting character for the the First Order. Like, yeah, I agree. He w- he was good. I liked Hux. Um, I thought he was good. I liked the Admiral chick with the purple hair. I can't think of her name. Yeah, now. Admiral Admiral Holdo. And that's yeah. I thought she did good with her role. I that's where I'm also going to go. I think that the second best character development behind Kylo Ren is Poe Dameron. Poe was fantastic. It was awesome to see his him going and learning the difference between. I like how they emphasize him learning the difference between being a hero and a leader. Right? He's and this trigger happy. We're going to go blow everything up, and then he's basically Han, but he can't pull off some of the crap Han does. Exactly. I will say though, I think that. Poe Dameron might be the best pilot in the galaxy, even better than the Skywalkers. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> After watching stuff they give him, yeah, he's he's the best. Yeah, um, he was like Anakin pulled off some neat stuff, and, and so did Luke. Luke. But Luke could pull off some good stuff, but Poe Dameron's po, something holy else. Crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he's. I really liked his character and the way that he developed. Um, and again, I'm excited to see him. My guess is they're going to build him up to be the new kind of face like the leader of the resistance 
I hope so. I did notice this on my second watch through, though. Again, trying not to get too political here, yeah. but if you pay attention, all of like the female commanders, yep. with the exception of Admiral Akbar and everything like that, like all the commanders actually, basically for the for the resistance, are female, and all of the commanders for the First Order are, are male, except for Phasma. <laughs> So I'm like, huh, I wonder if Jason's trying to say something there. Well, oh. I made a joke to Lindsay about they they didn't make uh, Ray go bad because that would make all the feminists angry. Oh, I've been telling you that from the get-go <laughs> when we talked about this. They're not going to give up their strong female lead. Again, I can respect that. That's good. We do need, yeah. like, and she's I don't a know good about need, but like it's... I have no issue with strong female leads, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. When you're trying to force that, which I felt like they were doing with the Resistance once you get past Ray and Leia, yeah. then I have an issue. Um, but, dude, like, I I take no issue with Admiral Holdo. Like when oh, she, she flipped awesome. that Mon Cal around right. and shot through. Snoke's That's one ship, of the best shots of the movie by far. That is the that is in my opinion the best yeah. shot of the movie. When she and the yeah. best part is when we watched it on opening night. So that scene occurs right after Luke Skywalker or after I guess actually Anakin's lightsaber splits in two. And then the movie goes dead silent, and this little kid in the back of the theater just kind of whispers, "It broke," but because <laughs> it's dead silent, the whole theater hears it, and we all just start dying laughing. Yeah, and it was awesome. That was Lindsay and I were frustrated because we had kids behind us that were talking through the whole movie, and it was super annoying. But um, yeah, that would be really obnoxious, especially in that moment where she, fl- like you said, she f- spins the ship around and goes light speed straight through the ship, which. That was super original and unique. Like, that's never happened in any of the movies or the EU, as far as I'm concerned. I don't remember um, anyone. I, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's a. If I'm remembering right, there is a part in the EU where they jumped to light they, speed through something else. I don't think there was anybody actually in the ship when they did it, but they set a ship to go through light speed through something. If I remember Interesting. right. Interesting. I think that I think that may have been in the Yuuzhan Vong, and they did that. You might be right. Someone, I think you might be right. Now that you're saying someone that, someone shoot one through there. So, but um, that was epic to see. It was bringing up the Yuuzhan Vong. That gets into my biggest issue with Disney, and my biggest issue with Episode Eight is what Disney has done is they came to a, a cabinet full of the best ingredients, and they said, "Yeah, we don't need this stuff. Let's pull out some American cheese slices and some bologna and make something with that." And so it's passable as a meal, but it's not the gourmet dish they could have had because Star Wars EU was meticulously put together to be canonized and be a coherent and cohesive story. Like, people complain about the injustice Disney does to Marvel. Who cares? The Marvel Universe is all over the place. Yeah, there's, mo- like, there's like a... Just like there's DC, a multiverse there's a multiverse going on. Yeah. So, which mean, basically means you can write what you want and it works itself out because of the multiverse. Star Wars didn't do that. They went through painstaking effort to make all of these books cohesive and coherent. And then Disney just threw that all out with no regard to it. And we lost awesome characters like Jaina Solo. I mean, you want strong female leads? Jaina Solo, <laughs> Mara Jade. Like, they're right there for you to pull from, and they're awesome. Luke Skywalker was epic in the EU, and they just neutered him in this movie. Um, yeah. You have all these things that, that you, they could have drawn from. And I'm not even saying, like, does Disney have the right to say, yeah, we're not going to fully adhere to that? Sure. Take creative license. But instead of coming up with your own stuff, draw from that use that wealth that's already there and you can please people who don't know anything about star wars and you're also going to please the star wars the hardcore fans by doing that yeah and there's aspects of it too where again back to and i don't know how much of this is disney corporate and how much of it is ryan johnson but if it almost felt like 
Um, it, it almost comes across like they're just giving the finger to like diehard Star Wars fans. Pretty much. Of like, yeah, yeah we don't we don't care like. your opinion. Like, like you said, it would have been very easy for them to tie in stuff from the EU or make reference to stuff from the EU that can still be watched and, and doesn't take away from the story for a casual moviegoer, but it can still appease their diehard fans. And, like, yeah. most diehard fans, we don't need you to be faithful 100% to the EU. Just give us some nods every yeah. now and then. So, but they don't even do that. Um, and again, I know I keep bringing it up, but contrasting Luke and that with the Luke and this, like Luke in the EU, he led the charge against Admiral Thrawn when the Empire tried to rise back up against the New Republic. He was there on the front lines against the Yuuzhan Vong. Um, he he was there and he was present and he didn't run away like like a little girl. Yeah. And so, just again, the way they handled that really irritated me because of that reasoning. But I felt like they could have done a lot of things better. I felt like they Disneyfied it way too much. The plot honestly felt weak, um, and it felt like a very Disney esque. All right, I'm I'm not gonna plot. lie. When when they did the opening scroll, <laughs> uh-huh. I read that and I was like. This is Empire Strikes Back. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is just Empire it, Strikes Back. See, and that's something I thought they did well. They gave nods to Empire Strikes Back, but they didn't rewrite. Yeah, Empire and Strikes I like that. Yeah, like I, I was terrified really it was just going to be Empire Dude, Strikes Back again. Like when in the scene when they're back in the trenches, just like on Hoth, and you have the guy who was in Empire Strikes Back stand up with the binoculars. Yeah. Like that was an awesome throwback yeah. to that film, and that was that was really cool. Also, putting but the planet the, on a or putting that battle on a salt planet made for some awesome special effects. That was really cool. Oh to yeah, watch. that was so cool to see, and especially like at the end when they're approaching the gate and they're just red everywhere yeah. with the white around. Yeah, like that. They did some really cool stuff with it. Yeah, and and again, as a, as a movie, I can appreciate it. But as a Star Wars movie, it just it really ticked me off. My I like yeah. I won't probably ever pick it up to own um i probably honestly won't even care to sit down and watch it again just because i don't care about it like unless they do really well with episode nine and i need this episode for continuity i will at this point show my kids through force awakens and then end it there so and just be like kids this was canceled like other good tv shows (laughs) so and then when they get older and they find it and they watch it they'll be like dad we know why you told us it was canceled those other movies sucked um so my last couple things to to throw in here too uh, because so we, we hit on a lot of the main characters. We didn't talk very much about Finn yet. Um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate. I, the I love Finn, Finn as a character. He's awesome. I really like that he was consistent with the Force Awakens in the sense of you see that constant battle in him of do I run when it gets scary or tough? Like he yes. he has that desire to just run away and be done. He doesn't care like. And, and he has to keep fighting with himself internally. Am I going to be courageous? Am I going to stand up for something? Or am I going to just run and try to hide? Um, now, because of that, and that constant battle, and that constant struggle, and you get to the end... And he's driving and he's into dri- the and cannon. And he has he is the resolve to sacrifice himself for the sake of the resistance. He is willing to die to save everyone else. That would have brought tears to the whole audience. It would have been the best way for Finn to go. Like, I had chills. I was like, yes, Finn. And then stupid idiotic Rose comes and knocks him out. Yeah, like that. Man, I 
I love John Boyega. I love Finn as a character. I'm excited to see him continue on the, on the, on in the show. It's not like I wanted him to die, but that would have been the perfect way for him to go. It would have been amazing. Well, and here's my thing. That would have been such a great way for him to go. And with the death they gave Luke Skywalker, I have a feeling I'm going to be very disappointed with whatever type of death we get for Finn if we ever do get one. Yeah. Um, and if they go through this entire series without killing off one of their new main characters, that's also kind of disappointing, too. Like, give me some emotional investment here. Make me see and feel the loss. Like, they did good with that, I felt like, in Rogue One. And yep. they did good with that in the opening of this one when you have the um, Rose's sister, Paige, yep. dying. Like, that was good. You got me invested. And Emerald Holdo. Do that with Finn. Yeah. Like, do yeah. that with Finn, though. Do that with a main character, not just a supporting one. Well, you and you, you look back to... Um, the original trilogy, ultimately they did that in A New Hope with Obi-Wan. Like, yeah. he's one of your main people in your gang. And uh, and don't try to tell me, like, you did that with Han in Force Awakens, but don't try to tell me you did that with Luke, because you gave him a pathetic death. Well, I think Luke's going to come so, back as a Force ghost. Oh, he, he definitely yeah, he's will. He's going to be like, around. Mark Hamill is oh, not done with this franchise. I love that they brought Yoda. That was awesome. I'm glad that they brought Yoda okay, into it. Okay, I did. My one issue with it was, my one issue with Yoda was, well, two issues. First, up until this point, we've never seen the Force projection be able to actually summon the Force like Yoda does. Yeah, it was interesting. That could maybe be explained away. Bigger issue, Yoda was able to physically interact with Luke because he hits him in the head. That That's never happened yeah, with the Force projection, and I don't think should happen with a Force projection or a Force ghost. Uh, my other issue with him was it felt a little more like the Yoda we met on Dagobah pre-revealing he's the Jedi Master, at least for the first few minutes of Yoda. Pre-revealing he's the Jedi Master Yoda than it did when he actually revealed he's the Jedi Master Yoda and stopped acting like a crazy old coot. He still kind of acted like a crazy old coot. Not as to much, an extent, to an extent. To an extent. And so I can kind of give I can yeah. kind of give some leeway there. But I felt like him sitting there like pounding his knees and, and laughing hysterically was out of character for the real Yoda. Yeah. Lindsay, so. Lindsay brought this up. I thought this was interesting because you see... Uh, I don't know if you know, like, Luke went to burn the tree and all the Jedi texts... At the very end of the movie, Ray has the Jedi text. Has the text. Yeah. yeah, well, that's why Yoda, when Yoda says, I don't think there's anything in there that young Ray doesn't already possess. Interest. See, I didn't even catch that line, but my, like, yeah. Lindsay brought up because Luke finally couldn't do it. Um, Lindsay brought up Yoda probably did it to keep Luke from figuring out that Ray now has the text. That Ray had yeah. them. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, Yoda was fantastic there, especially with the. Oh, read them? <laughs> page turners, yeah, they were page not. Yeah, page turners, they were not. See, that that was good humor. Like, that was good. That, that was. And that was what Star Wars humor should be. That yeah. wasn't forced. Yeah. And that was a line Yoda would say, because Yoda was this kind of witty yeah. old man. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I didn't like the Rose Finn love story thing. I felt like that was forced. See... I forced, yes, but I'm kind of okay with it. Like they're going to pull that in. I'd much rather see it between Rose and Finn than Kylo and Ray. So, <laughs> or Ray and Finn, or basically or Finn Ray and, and anybody. <laughs> well, that would be the worst. But it is Disney. So yeah, well, that's what I'm, everyone I'm, wants, apparently. So I'm surprised we haven't had anything like that yet. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Um, anyway, but ov- that, overall, that would be I a, enjoyed it. As a, a great movie. way for them to get some. Some support. Yeah. I here's, I will say this with the whole back on the Finn thing real quick. Mm-hmm. With because even though he didn't sacrifice, like he didn't die, Finn had that resolve still, right? He was to that point. So hopefully, and so I'm excited in, in episode movie. nine to see Finn's character now that he's gotten he's there. Like 
as long as they honor that and don't go, oh, screw it, we're going to just digress in the game like they did everyone else. Yeah, so. and that's my hope. But if they stay with what they created, I'm excited to see Finn in Episode Nine and how he's developed as a character. I'm also curious what they're wanting to do with this little boy at the end of the movie. Because I feel like that wasn't on accident. Yeah, yeah, the, so. the broom coming to his hand. Did you notice uh-huh. that? Yeah. Yep, when he pulls it over with the force. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. Also, final statement, R2-D2 is a thousand times better than BB-8. <laughs> the porgs are awesome. Like, I, I, I like BB-8, but R2-D2 is the real MVP of droids. Yeah. So. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, the porgs the were, porgs were I, great. I was afraid they were going to be horrible, but they were actually pretty funny. Yeah. So. And that again, that was good. That's good Star Wars humor. They're, they're like the Ewoks in the sense that they're just like goofy, random, weird characters. See, I'm not even a huge fan of the Ewoks, yeah. but I like the Porgs. Sure. I thought they were pretty good. Um, and I thought it was great seeing that side of Chewbacca. Oh, I like know. That, I feel like that's fitting with Chewie. Like, Chewie's shown that in places, and especially in the EU. If he does have a soft side, you just got to get to it. Yeah. And that so, was so fun. I thought that was man, pretty Man, the great. face of that one looks like it's about to cry oh, watching him man. eat it. <laughs> oh, dude. My, my wife has said repeatedly that's her favorite part of the movie. Oh, yeah. That's probably one so, too. She loved the Porgs. She, yeah, so does my wife. Like, if you could buy a real-life Porg, we'd probably own 20. Oh, right yeah. Now. Same. So... <laughs> But yeah, so overall, that's that's my thoughts. There were some things I liked, but just as a Star Wars movie, it broke my heart. Here's the thing that I'm I find hoping... interesting. You and I agree on almost every single point. You just dislike it more than I do. You're more passionate and I think, in your hatred Here's why it. I think that is. Here's why I think that is. Your favorite part of the EU is the Old Republic. Absolutely. And my favorite part of the EU is the New Republic. True. And so it would be, in essence, if you saw Disney making Old Republic movies and doing horrible injustice to it. That's what's happening for me right now. I'm seeing my favorite part of the EU just dismantled and destroyed. Yeah, and I understand. And that. so that that makes it harder for me. So. I still, I'm still holding out for a Darth Bane movie or trilogy or something. That would be really cool. I, I have a, there's a guy who's been talking about how he's hoping since you know Disney's let um, Marvel Netflix shows show up, if we could get like a Boba Fett or a Jango Fett show Netflix series. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be. Like, they could do that really well. Yeah. Um, Lindsay and I were hoping whenever Maz was talking about the hacker dude on the rich people planet, we were like, how awesome would it be if it was just, like, Boba Fett? (laughs) Just Boba Fett. That would have been sweet. I'm curious about that, too. Like, I'm wondering if that one guy was still actually the hacker. Yeah, I'm wondering, too. Like, I don't know. But, and I felt like that was, I thought that was some interesting stuff there, but I felt like that was a little overly politicized, too, that whole planet. Yeah, it was. So, but especially with the save the horses, they're free. Now it's worth it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, not that I'm a fan of animal abuse. Or I, I was just waiting for her to, to take the uh, saddle off and the horse go running away. And her look at Finn and just go, PETA! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. Um, but yeah, again, like. Is it my preference to see, in, in a fictional or real universe, to see animals not being beaten <laughs> and being able to live like they were intended to live? Yes. yes. But don't force that into my movie. Just let me enjoy a movie. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. So there's our thoughts on Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. We get another Star Wars movie next year, which, if I remember right, is the Han Solo story. Yes. And I'm, and then, I'm getting semi-hopeful for that just because they brought... Um, Donald Glover is the only reason I'm hoping for it. <laughs> well, they brought Ron Howard in to direct it after they fired the two other dudes. And so 
Ron Howard just does really well with a lot of things, so I'm, I'm optimistic for that. And I know he did a lot of crazy rewrites and reshoots from what they had originally put together. So Good. Is, it, is Ron Howard, is that the guy from Andy Griffith? Yes. Yep. Oh, is it actually that one? Yeah. That's Ron Howard. Awesome. I was making Opie. a joke. Yeah. I, I'm like, I knew he did acting. I didn't know he actually still did directing Oh, that's stuff. his thing. Like, he became a phenomenal director. He's good. That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Opie's going to give us our new Star Wars and hopefully do good with it. Yep. Um, but yeah, that one has potential. I will say it's going to be tough to watch that and seeing somebody try to replace Harrison Ford. It will be, yeah. Like they have a huge, um, they have huge shoes to fill. Yeah, I like I said, but I'm so, more optimistic with Ron Howard coming on. Still not, I'm cautiously optimistic because it's a Han Solo movie without Harrison Ford, and that just feels even beyond that, it's a Disney movie. Yeah. So I still, but, man, I just don't get the we're going to make a prequel movie of Han Solo like. Han Solo was young in the original movies. Like, I know. Give us a give us like a, a Han Solo like in between six and seven, and we still get to use Harrison Ford. Although I don't think Harrison Ford would come back for that. But no, it, it would be cool. I mean, why the crap would he do all this Indiana Jones movie and not come back and do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see because we'll get that and we'll get Episode Nine, and then I don't remember if it's the Yoda film next or what's next after that. Uh, they but don't. They haven't officially announced yet. So, I will say this: expect a steady stream of Star Wars one a year, getting progressively worse from Disney until the franchise kills itself, because that's what Disney's going to do. Because they're the worst. Yeah, that's so. Disney is ruining cinema. I stand by that. Yeah. See, I stand by it to an extent. We will. We can get into that. Yeah. Um, another time. Another time. But anyway, that's our thoughts. If you guys have thoughts, comments, concerns, keep them out of the Facebook group until the end of. Um, the week you hear this podcast we're trying to keep a couple weeks of spoiler free and then we'll open it up and we'll let you, and we'll guys let you talk is, with um like spoiler warnings so yeah but go ahead and and feel free to email us or you can tweet at us that's okay we don't have enough followers to worry <laughs> about spoiling yeah so so if you have spoilers um, you want to talk about tweet us tweet us or, or email us or something like that or private messages if you're on facebook yeah we'll probably ignore it but you know <laughs> no i'll I'll not see it. I always forget to check because Facebook does the thing where it hides messages from people who aren't friends. Yeah. So I never check those. Yeah, those can be janky but, sometimes. But um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get all that sorted out. Make sure you do. If you're not part of the Facebook group, hit us up there. We have some good conversations there um, at Error204Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Error204Podcast and email us at gmail at Error204Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And check out our merchandise. Have conversations. Yes, check out our merch. Um recommend us to your friends if you like it and drop us a rate on iTunes if you like it and we will catch you guys next week bye bye